and welcome to the Republic of Middle-Aged Men. As normal, you have the three hosts. You have myself, Tim, and you have Lachlan. Howdy. And Ruben. G'day. Uh, tonight is grand final night for those in New South Wales, and uh, we care so much that we're still podcasting. Um, <laughs> even though I do go for Penrith, <laughs> it's uh, I, I do enjoy it, but I don't know, lockdown's just taken a joy out of that sort of thing for me at the moment. I think it's just because I can't go to any of the games, so I've kind of lost a bit of interest. Anyway, that's all good. I am drinking the John Boston Summer Ale tonight. Um, it's been a warm day. It was 27 degrees, I think, and uh, tomorrow is going to be the same for the long weekend. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm having. How about you, Lachlan? What are you having? Mate, uh, I'm, uh, I'm still on my GNTs as my uh, usual sort of uh, <laughs> beverage in these sessions. So sticking to form. Consistency. That's all. That's it. And uh, how about you, Rubes? Oh, I'm on a nice coffee tonight, mate. I uh, am operating on very little sleep, so I thought I'll stay away from the alcohol if I want to make it through the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's heaps funny. Yeah, I, I certainly slammed a coffee a, a couple of hours ago um, just to help with that. Didn't get the middle-aged man nap in today. So that's good, <laughs> Never get those in. I'm jealous. <laughs> Look, you're not living until you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Not ever. <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, let's, uh, let's kick off. So I think it's um, good to do a little summary i guess of what we've been up to so for those who may be joining us for the first time uh, we're reading through plato's republic uh which obviously has uh, socrates in there doing his thing and um he starts off with the question essentially of you know what is justice uh, gives a an answer that looks okay to us uh, but then uh, starts meeting some objections from other people at the party and uh, they decide to take a step back and have a look at justice from the perspective of a city. Uh, but they don't want just any city, they make their own city. So we've spent weeks and weeks going over this fictitious city uh, getting built. And at times I was wondering why. Um, <laughs> sort of breaking down uh, how, how can we build this proper city so then we should be able to find justice uh, within that theoretical city. And uh, last week, we realized that we got a definition from that, uh, which was a bit underwhelming, uh, but it actually made sense. And this week uh, is where they now go, okay, now can we apply that to a person uh, or the individual? And what does that look like? And uh, yes, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers, but it made the last seven weeks of reading all these other examples very relevant and i suddenly understood like whoa okay that's why we spent all that time doing that so without further pretty, ado let's yeah, it's uh, pretty let's amazing how all, it's pretty amazing how they, they sort of tie it all together it all sorts of start to fall into place i was pretty impressed um but i think what the so you, what what so i think part of what the discussion is is that they're saying well how do we know what justice is and they've got their state and I, 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 my understanding of the argument is essentially, well, we're still not sure what justice is, but if we can show that the individual operates in the same fashion and justice is the same in the individual, then they, I think their, their stance is, well, now we've got our definition. So that's when they go on to talk about the individual. Is that sort of how you understood it? Yeah, I mean, mm. um, I think they, uh, well, they sort of agree that they've found something and they said, like, before we bust out the champagne, let's just kind of take it for a bit of a road test first and make sure it's sort of hitting the right mark. So that, that's kind of what they're doing here. And yeah, like Ribs, you're saying, you know, trying to reflect the same thing back in the, in the individual. Is, it, is uh, there a principle, we... is there a principle there um, where, because I think it's just the way that Socrates and Plato operates, is, is there a principle there that they're like, well, if it's true, it has to be universally true. So they're just trying, is that kind of what they're doing? They're sort of testing to see that, you know, if justice is something, then it should be the same across the board. So it should apply to the state as well as the individual. Is that kind of the way that they're headed? Well, I think they were originally sort of doing that whole thing around it's 
really hard to define in the individual. And so that was the whole thing about looking at something bigger. Um, and that's why they sort of came up with the cities because they said it's, it should be easier to find it if you're looking in this in this big place. Um, so now that they found it in the big place, they just want to see if that, that holds true when they sort of start looking at an individual and applying the same kind of logic. Um, and in particular, I think as they were sort of wrapping up uh, what we were looking at last week, um, they came up with those uh, virtues and they wanted to see if they could apply those same sort of virtues from the state on the individual. So the virtues was uh, wisdom, uh, courage, and temperance. Although you had another word, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, self-discipline. Self-discipline, yep. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where we're sort of kicking off is uh, you're trying to apply or see if those virtues apply on the individual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's right. And I think, but it's also... Uh, coming full circle because they did go we want to find it in the individual we thought mm. we'd found it but then we realised it's probably not right so let's zoom out to a. I think they, um, they use the analogy of of font size <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, looking at it at you know four fonts is m- more difficult to see clearly than at 128 font so uh, let's let's go big and then go back to small and I think as uh, uh, Socrates sort of says, oh, you know, it's falling at our feet. You know, it's so obvious, um, you know, now that they're looking at it. So that, that's kind of where they land. So so now that they're um, trying to look at it in the individual, um, basically they sort of agree that it's not going to be an easy thing to kind of do and that it's going to have to be sort of hard work to kind of dig in and find that out and, and see if there's those three, um, those three principles. Um, and so like... Uh, more or less they're sort of saying like the qualities found in the state is what you're going to find uh it's going to be derived from the people and they start talking about some people from different sort of areas uh the phoenicians uh love of money which was, sounds like a bit of a dig at them to be honest uh and uh, their own sort of uh, love of learning and knowledge and all that sort of thing and saying that that's that's uh something that's evident in the people there and that surely comes through into the city as well so then they look back at like yeah and um sorry rubes go Oh, no, I just chuckle at that because they're talking about the, the, the surrounding cities and they're like, oh, the Thracians and the Scythians have a reputation, <laughs> you know, for, for being fierce or whatever and the Phoenicians for, for the money. But the the, uh, the thing that they apply to themselves and like, oh, you know, and then there's us with intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, pretty funny. Those guys are greedy. Those guys are angry and we're smart. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, that's where it's yeah. at. <laughs> I'm just glad that at that point in time, the Venetians weren't just known for blinds. There's a bad joke for you. <laughs> the niches. <laughs> oh, damn it. Got the wrong word. Oh, well. The joke still stands. <laughs> Too funny. Um, so, look, they start looking at uh, man's nature and how we make decisions and question if there's um, one way of our nature or if there are actually some further sort of principles that they can break it down to. And they start looking at, at three principles and they come up with, uh, well, initially they sort of say, you know, one part of your mind is focused on sort of like learning, the other part's angry with the other, and the other one's seeking our natural desires. And that's kind of where they start sort of kicking off this this conversation. Um, and so they yeah, it's very, come up with um, a method to kind of make it. It's very psychology, psychologically based, isn't it? Well, I think what they're doing yeah. is what we would call psychology these days. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I I was um, very excited to read that part. Uh, As we get deeper into this, I'm sure we'll uh, expand on that further. But uh, that's definitely up uh, my my list of things I enjoy reading about. That's for sure. Hmm. I I found this next part that they were talking about uh, pretty hard to follow initially. And I was like, why are they going into so much detail talking about the state of things? And it did come into sort of relevance, but they spent quite a long time um talking about how um and and it was it seemed like to be a better way of like quelling arguments if if they've got uh, um someone saying that uh, it, it should be a different way um so perhaps i might just read what uh socrates sort of said well, um, while you're finding that i'll i'll just say if we're going to make t-shirts for this ever um i'm going to say you know socrates greek for the scenic route yeah, <laughs> he certainly doesn't take the most direct path to anything. Yeah, mate, it's uh, if he was a record, he'd be long play. Yes. <laughs> um, All right, you good to go? So, I found it. Yep. Um, Beautiful. 
the same thing clearly cannot act or be acted upon in the same part or in relation to the same thing at the same time in contrary ways. And therefore, whenever this contradiction occurs in things, apparently the same, we know that they are really not the same, but different. I was like, I had to reread that about 10 times. <laughs> yeah, you know what my notes, what I've written in my notes, this is all I've written in the margin. What now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes a bit more sense when he starts using the examples. Um, so uh, I, I think I'm talking about it was the, the man who is standing, standing still and he, you'd say that he's not moving. But then what if he's like moving his uh, hands around or something like that? And they sort of say, well, he's, he's in motion and he's also not moving. So what they were sort of saying is that they would say that um, it's not two things at the same time. They would say that he is stationary, but his hands are moving, right? So they're being very specific. And I think this is where we sort of get into uh, Socrates with this argument wanting to be you know, some things will be general in nature and some things will be specific in nature where we start to sort of dig in. But uh, this initial setup, I was just like, why are we going to so much detail? That? Is it talking about spinning tops and circumference and axis <laughs> and all this thing and go, I liked oh it. God. Yeah, I, I really yeah, liked, I liked it. it. I thought, I wonder if Einstein read this because it, it sounds familiar. <laughs> well, what was um, what what was what did you think they were trying to do in that bit, Timmy? Because I got my thoughts, but I'd be interested in seeing what you what you oh, thought. I think those they were just like were I'm surprised towards. they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't use the analogy of a ship, like that. You can be standing still while the ship moves. I, I would have thought they would oh, just grab okay. that one straight yeah, away. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's why I like straight away. I'm like, oh, this is. Did Einstein read this and then go? Wait a minute, it's relative. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, well, my interpretation of what they're trying to do here is that they want to go and look at the way that a human works, a man works. Um, and they're talking about trying to find these different aspects. So, so what I thought they were doing here, and I could be totally wrong, what I thought they were trying to do here is essentially say, well, if we're trying to identify different aspects of human, let's just say psyche, that's not their word, that's our word, um, they, they're basically saying, well, if you can identify two different movements within the psyche of a person, then you can identify them as two distinct things because if they were the same, they couldn't be said to be moving and not moving. And then when yep. they sort of move in, it starts to make more sense then when they start to move in and talk about those different aspects of the psyche. They're like, this, essentially what they're saying is, this is how we know that these are two separate things within the state of man rather than one thing that are interpreted differently. That's the way I saw it. Is that kind of what they're doing? Exactly, I think. But I couldn't work that out until they got to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, same. Yeah, same. We're, we're, yeah. Hind, hindsight's twenty twenty, which, yeah, yeah, like I said, that's why my only note in margin was what now? Yeah. <laughs> I've had it explained to me by a psychologist before that the human brain has, like, layers. And so I use the analogy, and I'll hold my hand up here in camera, that your thumb is like the logical brain. And then the fingers are like the older sort of primate brain, and yeah. that um, the, the smallest, like the smaller part, is where all of our logic and reason, and all that stuff, comes from. And then there's the bigger part, which is everything else, you know, your fight or flight response, uh, yeah, etc. And so I, I thought that this was just like explaining that sort of idea that there's uh, different parts within us, that there's a part that's logical and it's the smallest part in the same way that the guardians are the smallest part of the society but it's they, also they the, the it's smallest exactly part. where they go with it isn't it yeah, yeah. Mm. so i thought that's interesting because their their analysis really here aligns with our current understanding of how the brain actually functions i, th I thought that was interesting as i was reading it it's not bad for two and a half thousand years ago like mm. yeah good observation on them <laughs> So um, yeah, you alluded to two two um two sort of starting points, and they're like you've got oh what were the words? One was um one was basically desire, and then the other one's rationality. But they used better term than that. Uh, well, that that's actually the words they used in uh, in our copy. So they were using uh, yep. desire and um, yeah, the the rash, rational sort of. Oh, it's in my book. Says irrational appetite versus reason. Right, right. But desire, I think desire or appetite is probably a better word. They, they do interchange it a, a few times, I think, in, their, in our copy. So oh, yeah. They do, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so as they're looking, start to look at desire, uh, they talk about, uh, I think, it being um, like a, a qualified or an unqualified desire. So, you know, they're talking about, you know, if you, you know, thirst is the, the desire of drink and it's an unqualified drink. If you're thirsty, you just want a drink, right? Because you've got thirst. Uh, but a qualified desire would be something more specific. So it'd be like, well, it's a hot day. So I desire something to drink that's cold. Um, and so I think they're starting to argue about, you know, whether people have simple desires or these sort of specific desires. And I think, uh, Socrates sort of says, well, people will, will argue that, um, or actually I think it was Glaucon sort of argues that, um, you know, people only have specific desires, not really general desires. Um, and uh, I think Socrates always sort of trying to play the simple card sort of argues the, the flip side. But I think they sort of agree that maybe there's going to be both, right? Um, so then they sort of bang on about sort of trying to sort of define specifics. They're looking at opposites and things like that to try and use use an example to, um, to get some sense around that sort of qualified or unqualified sort of specifics. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, think, I agree. Yeah, they're sort of basically coming back to like looking at thirst and stuff again. I think that they're sort of sort of saying, you know, if you've got two different sort of processes in there, and they sort of use that example is about you know that a you know you could have a man who's thirsty but choose not to drink, and they start talking about that, which is like a interesting sort of discussion to have. Um, but they take they take that as proof that you've got two parts of the yeah. human at least that, that's the, the study there's they like they basically say well that's proof that there's there's two at least two parts to the human mind hmm. yeah because the desire is there, and then you've got the rational part that is sort of saying well whilst i'm thirsty that's not the specific thing i'm after so maybe i'm going to hold off for whatever because i want to get the, the good stuff for whatever it's going to be right yeah um, they've got the base you, desire you to drink Yep. Yeah, that's right. You could choose not to. Yeah. What's well, like hunger strikes? Like when people yeah. are like really, really hungry, but they just go, no, out of principle, I'm not going to eat to, you know, protest in this particular way. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, you know, it's that, that they start to talk about, I guess, that, that plain interchange between those different parts of, as they call it, the soul, um, sort of arguing amongst itself between the sort of, unconscious desire and then the more conscious sort of rational thought about you know what you're trying to achieve or what it is that you really specifically sort of want um, so do you guys reckon that works as a proof do you reckon you can sort of look at that and go oh there has to be at least for whatever it is whatever they're looking at they're basically saying there has to be at least two distinct things there do you think that works i, I think it makes sense for sure uh yeah I think so. I mean, it, all of us have habits that we would like to break. <laughs> I think it's like it's easier to think about it in that way. Like where where the, I think that, what I'm trying to say. I think in this example, we're probably thinking of the good example of the logical side of the brain winning. But I think there's plenty of examples that you can come you know, bring to mind very very quickly, of where you know that. I'm not going to do that thing because it's bad for me. And then you just do it anyway. So like for me, it could be like, I love Milo. I love smashing heaps of Milo. And even when I'm like trying to lose weight, if I see Milo and milk, it's like, yeah, I'm going to have some Milo. <laughs> <laughs> even though everything in my, my brain is LA. saying, don't have Milo. I'm going to smash that Milo. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, that, that absolutely makes sense that there's at least those two things going on. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. From a common sense perspective, you kind of look at that and go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think their argument's logical. We all love logic, right? <clears throat> so they basically sort of like label those two and go, okay, that, those two are done. Um, so you've got the, the the rational principle of the soul, which is where the reason is. <clears throat> and then you've got the irrational uh, or the, uh, the appetitive. Desire or appetite. As well. yeah, yeah, so loves, hungers and things that you thirst for. Um, and they start sort of kicking around that, you know, maybe should there be a third one? And um, they, Socrates sort of puts it to Glaucon about uh, passion or spirit. 
and uh, whether that would sort of be part of those initial principles that they've come up with um, or if it should stand on its own. And uh, Glaucon kind of says that he thinks it sort of aligns to desire and then uh, Socrates sort of drops this interesting story. Um, so I made a couple of notes on that if you want me to uh, yeah, sure, go, go through that. that. Um, so the story of uh, Leonti, the uh, son of uh, Aglion, too. So he just starts talking about this. So the man's frustrated that he's uh, given into his desires to see some dead bodies that are over in a fort or something like that when his <laughs> rational side is telling him um, not to go look at them because obviously it's, it's gory and horrible. You know, why would you want to go look at that? And so the point of the story is to sort of like demonstrate the, the battle of wills within us and that his spirit is sort of on the side of reason, uh, which is why he sort of becomes angry with himself that he gives in to that um, uh, thirst to understand or look or see or whatever it was and giving into that irrational side. Um, so uh, I think it's an interesting story. <laughs> it's a weird story <laughs> about having a desire to see some dead bodies uh, somewhere, but you could understand that like if you sort of maybe paint, painted a picture like a, more of like, uh, you know, maybe there's like a, a dead body in a park, right? And there's a bunch of kids standing on the, the footpath or something and they know there's a, a dead body in the park it's like talking to each other. Do you want to go see the dead body? You know, like, and it's almost like that argument within your head, like, oh, I don't know that I really want to see a dead body. And then like this other part of your mind sort of going, don't you, aren't you curious? Like, do you, don't you want to just go have a look, you know, and uh, this sort of <laughs> argument within your, within your mind around what you want to do. So, so I, like, whilst it's a bit of a weird story, I, I can kind of, I get where he's going with it. <laughs> I, I just, I had a chuckle because it's, it's being old timey in that, like the way he opens up, he opens the story. I was like, it's about Laotian, son of Aglion, who was yeah. on his way up to Pire Piraeus, you know, he sets this big thing, you know, and he's, yeah. and he's under, he's outside the North wall and you notice some corpses lying there. And it's like, yeah. it's like this, like this whole, this nice flowery setup. And he's like, and then he it's got the shits body. because he went and looked at the corpses when he didn't want to. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit weird it's like you could just sort of see like the camera panning you know over some nice scenery and he's pondering some dead bodies over on the corner <laughs> we've all been there i mean all of us have social media and and phones with you know algorithms throwing random stuff on our screen and sometimes sure. you just something like what yeah. <laughs> is seen cannot be unseen <laughs> I'm still haunted by something uh, somebody emailed me in the early days of the internet that uh, to this day I could still see it clearly in my head. And I won't speak of what it was, but it was basically somebody had been in an accident and it was just horrific. And I was like, why yeah. did you say that? Haunted my memory for, <laughs> for decades. I thought you were going to say you clicked on a link and it started going, never going to give you up. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Been sucked into that one. <laughs> I think everyone's been burned by that one at some stage. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, um, so let's let's continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, just to sort of, uh, I think, um, just to further emphasise it, they sort of go with another example um, of a similar kind, of, which is funnier sort of story about the nobleman, and uh, you know how like the nobleman does wrong um, to another um, because he's so noble, he's less likely to basically give a shit about the consequences of what he's done to the other person as long as it doesn't kind of affect himself um you know he deems that he's just and that his anger is quelled and and so he's he's basically at peace and then uh i'll read socrates a little part because it's quite funny uh but when he thinks that he is the sufferer of the wrong then he boils and chafes and is on the side of what he believes to be justice and because he suffers hunger or cold or other pain he is only the more determined to um, uh, to per uh, persevere and conquer. His noble spirit will not be quelled until he either slays or is slain or until he hears the voice of the shepherd. That is reason bidding his dog bark no more. <laughs> he articulates that rather nicely, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's a good little that line. That is good. I, um, mm. Yeah, I think... Um, I think this is, this is one of the lines here that I think kind of summarises where they're headed. It's like... They're basically saying that anger is different from desire, 
and what opposes it. So you've got desire and then you've got reason that can oppose the desire. And they're saying, yeah, but then you've got anger and that's, that's coming from somewhere else. And I think that's what they're getting at with those stories, isn't it? Yeah. The passion and the spirit. So I think he's yeah. saying that, um, you know, the noble guy's got a spirit in him that he can't take being, you know, uh, cause he's <laughs> chafing. I love that word. He's chafing at it, you know, cause uh, somebody's <laughs> slighted him. Um, till death or victory or, yeah. or till reason calls it back to heal and calms it. No, it's very <laughs> yeah. good. Um, does it, that kind of sounds like to me, cause they're now talking about a third aspect and they, they kind of mm. call it spirit. That kind of, yeah. to me, sounds like a, a conscience or a moral sense. I, I don't know. I mean, they because they, they compare it like a little bit further on saying that it was, uh, almost like evident in animals as well. Right. Mm. So they say like, like, I don't know, that bull had fighting spirit or whatever, you know, maybe they're talking about. Well, it was like uh, Tim, yeah. Tim was saying the other week with that story about the monkeys. That yeah. If <laughs> yeah, monkeys exactly. noticed that they were getting something that the other monkey wasn't getting, then they'd get the craps. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I thought they were kind of, that's what he's sort of getting at in terms of spirit. And to me, I'm like, well, that kind of sounds like almost like a, uh, uh, a sense of morality. So you've got seeing sense and smelling sense and hearing sense. What he's describing there is spirit to me sounds almost like another sense, but a, a moral sense. I think he certainly paints it that way as we sort of go on, but I didn't kind of get that just straight off the bat though. Maybe it reminds um, me more of, um, what Jung talks about with the shadow. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with that idea. Um, but it's like no. that self that, that's not logical, uh, that that's underneath. Um, I, that's just a horrible explanation of what the shadow is, but, um, <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to it. Let me, let me get my head around what I'm trying to say with that. Yeah. I, I get the vibe more than like the, the, the passional spirit was kind of like a, uh, it's like an underlying sort of feeling or way that you are right. And I, I think, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, <clears throat> but I think they're sort of saying is that there's kind of like cultivating, um, that spirit through the way that their society is sort of, um, is operating, but that if they weren't doing that and doing all this cultivation that. It, you might have this like wild fighting spirit within this particular person or this other guy who's like just, I don't know, super passionate about whatever, you know what I mean? And I think it's just, a, a, it's about something that's sort of within you, but it sounds like it can be kind of um, cultured and educated in a sense. So it's uh, maybe in that that's what they're trying to mould it into these morals, but I don't think it's necessarily... I'm always sense. if you know what I mean. Mm. So if you went to another city, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it probably wouldn't be uh, necessarily the, the moral compass, um, but it's just kind of that um, that thing that's within the individual, that's part of their personality, maybe. Can I and, can I read out this definition of the shadow that I just found? Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, so Jung stated the shadow to be the unknown dark side of the personality. According to Jung, the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to psychological projection in which a perceived personal inferiority is recognized as a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. Uh, mm -hmm. Jung writes that if these projections remain hidden, the projection making factor then has a free hand and can realize its object if it has one or bring about some other situation characteristic of its own power. Um, so the, the projections insulate and harm individuals by acting as a constantly thickening veil of illusion between the ego and the real world. So to me, like it's not exactly the same, but I think they're trying to touch on a similar idea that there's this part of the self that your rational mind may not even be fully aware of um, that's different from hunger. And, and it's that perceived injustice and now I'm going to pursue, you know, vengeance or I'm going to pursue my, my justice because I've been slighted. And then mm. when you come to your senses or you come to your logic, you realize that's a very irrational response. But, but, but I decided to do that. It wasn't the same as a hunger or the same as uh, an itch, you know, it was 
this this wrong's been done to me and I'm going to act in this way without really thinking it through. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what it reminded me yeah. of when I was reading it. Yeah, look, and I think like it's interesting because I think it is something that um, that they're sort of saying is just just part of the being, if you know what I mean. Because they, I think they start talking about children as well, and just saying like you can see kids have lots of spirit. Um, you know, I think what they mean is like high spirited behavior. You know what I mean? Is what they're sort of thinking mm. about. Um, and well, not I've a lot it, of reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard it summarized elsewhere as as being. Uh, head, heart, and stomach. I think that's not a bad little way to think of it. So you've got reason mm. in the head, and then you've got your stomach is just what you want, what you feel like, your desires, and then your heart yeah. is what I think what they're referring to as spirit. And that kind of makes sense. Like you know, if we you see someone doing really well on the on the on the footy pitch or whatever or on the basketball court, you sort of look at it and go, oh, he's got a lot of heart. Mm. Or you mm. see it in boxing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I don't mind that. So basically, at this point, they they more or less sort of uh, agree that those same principles exist that exist in the state also exist in the individual, which I thought was kind of a funny jump to make at that point in time because they're talking about something that's a little different um, because the original ones were what was it wisdom, temperance, uh, what was the other the other third one? Um, wisdom, temperance, and courage. Courage, um, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so that's not quite the the same thing. So uh, anyway, Socrates kind of like goes to sort of recap kind of a, a bunch of stuff they've kind of agreed over the um, over the last book. I think we've covered more or less, <laughs> and then sort of tries to tie it all back in to um, to those three principles. He doesn't do a bad job of it, I think. Is this the bit where he he goes on to? Because earlier on, when they're talking about the city, they're like, "Well, we say that the city's got courage, but really, it's only the uh, auxiliaries that show courage." And then he ties that into what they've just described as the parts of a human thing as well. Is that the yeah, so Is that within yeah, the summary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it pull, pulls right, in cool. some of that stuff. Um, so um, you know, they're talking about like the, the the yeah the same quality that gives courage to the state will will also be in the individuals. Um, and that the states and the individuals will bear some relation to all the virtue, virtues, but they're going to be different, obviously, in a carpenter versus a, um, a guardian or what have you. Um, yeah, I, um, I tried to sort of, I don't, cause I don't know whether you can really directly link it like this, but I tried to sort of link it together. So in the, in the, with the human faculty, you've got reason, which mm. correlates to the rulers of the state and spirit in the human in the the human in the individual you've got spirit which correlates to the auxiliaries which all the soldiers of the state and then you've got yeah. your desires and your appetites and they're saying well that's everyone else because we are mostly made up of desire and then it's a matter of how well those other faculties control yeah and they're sort of saying yeah i think it was uh the, the rational principle which is wise um and has the care of the whole soul so the other parts of it they're saying the rational part needs to care for that um, you know, to, is to, to rule basically. So to try and have the rational part of the, the self to, to rule the rest of the self. And they draw a similar parity to the state as well, that the, um, that the smaller and perhaps more rational part should be leading it as well, um, you know, for the different parts of the, uh, um, of the state as much as the individual, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and I think um, yeah that that passion or spirited part is supposed to be the uh, the ally of the the rational part, if you know what I mean. So, and they're using that under that influence of that gymnastic and the music stuff oh, they were sort yeah. of talking about there, and they're sort of tying we'll go back that, to education that again. Yeah, yeah. So saying because of the way we've brought these people up and we've built this culture, it's going to harmonize, soothe, and civilize the wildness of the spirit to bring it into line so that it'll be a, a good ally to, to rational behavior. Um, so I think that's where they start sort of tying that back into sort of, we can culture this, this spirit to be what it should be, you know, to, to aid this just town, this just state that we're trying to build. I reckon that starts to make more sense of all that stuff about, yeah, okay, but the auxiliaries shouldn't have too much money and they should live in a, like a really, 
you know, restrained sort of lifestyle. Um, yeah. And so that when you correlate to that, to, to training spirit, you sort of start to see it all fit together. Um, I, I thought that was really interesting because it's like, well, we want we want our soldiers to be, we don't want them to be greedy, we want them to be smart, and we want them to fight hard. Absolutely. And then, but then they come and start talking about the human spirit, and they're like, well, that's what we would want to cultivate in an individual, as mm. well. Yeah, for sure. So they've got the uh, the rational and the spirit uh, principles working together to rule over the soul to control the irrational desires. Um, so, you know, keeping guard of the spirit, not giving into temptation, um, and, you know, overturning your life. I think one of those things I talked about before is about the, the man keeping to himself and doing his part in society. So if you're, um, you know, keeping your desires under wraps, that, that helps keep you away. If you're not trying to cheat a man to, to get coin or whatever, because you're, you you've, you know, one of the, the guardians or auxiliaries who are forbidden to have gold and silver. So it just kind of takes that, that temptation away in that, uh, in that sort of setting, I suppose. Yeah. Cause your spirit or moral sense mm-hmm. or whatever we want to call it and your reason just don't allow it. Yeah. Yep. Cause I think the idea, but, but that's where they land. Cause they, they, so they sort of go through temperance and self-discipline. They say, well, that should apply across the board with reason, spirit and desire. And is that yep. kind of how they didn't get around to justice? They're like, we've got our first three. So there uh, yeah, is justice courage. and then they courage. That's right. Yeah. So courage, they, they pulled in and they sort of said, this was an interesting one, I suppose, too, because, you know, rather than talking about the soldiers, I think they're just talking about the people of the, of the state. Um, and they're saying, you know, uh, is deemed courageous where the spirit is resolute in pleasure and pain in following the commands of reason. So basically that courage is following reason and not giving into your temptations. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So for the, for the so, average man. Uh, yeah. Um, so where do they land? Where, where do you reckon they land then in terms of, well, okay, we've got these three, so let's infer justice like we did in the state. So where do they land in terms of defining justice for the individual? Well, basically they just say, uh, well, I'll give you the quote he's got in there. Um, uh, and is justice dimmer in the individual and is her form different or is she the same with which we found her in the state? And uh, there is no difference, in my opinion, says Glaucon. So they basically agree at the end that, that justice is the same in the individual as what it is in the state. Bombshell. <laughs> yeah, so how, and how do you think that works in practicality? That. Oh, yeah, good. Well, good. So how does that work in practicality? Because you could sort of say, when, when you're talking about that mind your own business principle, that sort of makes sense when yeah. you're talking about jobs within the state how would that work with an individual do you think i i guess what they're trying to do is, is i guess trying to keep this whole big puzzle and machine working and all on that same sort of even keel and so i mean you'd have to see how it would work in a real situation because this is all still sort of theoretical because they've invented theoretical, this yeah yeah um this perfect state and they're assuming that that it would all sort of work and fall into place um so it, it's hard to know if it would i guess rubes is, is the answer um i think from the way yeah, they certainly wasn't sure it, about it yeah look, i think from the way they've described it they're, they're very clear in their minds that that it's successful and that it does follow and that the the average man will will carry these values and these principles and in, in being just and having justice in this state and that, that, you know, by having, um, you know, it's a bit like kind of, uh, do, do unto others that what you want done unto you. Right. Um, I think that principle is kind of very strong in what they're trying to create here. Cause they're saying if, you know, if you're in an environment of justice and you're, you're providing justice, um, that you will also be just right. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Did you say you found a, a, a bit where they're going to talk about that to me? Or was there a quote you were going to read or not? Yeah, so they're talking about, as you say, they've, they've kind of concluded that justice will be the same. Uh, and the, there's a really quite a lengthy paragraph here where Socrates expands on that and explains what it is, which um, I'll read it now. So... Uh, where will I start from? 
but in reality justice was such as we were describing, being concerned, however, not with the outward man, but with the inward, which is the true self and concernment of man. For the just man does not permit the several elements within him to interfere with one another, or any of them to do the work of others. He sets in order his own inner life, and his sorry, and is his own master and his own law, and at peace with himself. And when he has bound together the three principles within him, which may be compared to the higher, lower, and middle notes of the scale, and the intermediate intervals, when he has bound all these together, and is no longer many, but has become one entirely, temperate and perfectly adjusted nature, then he proceeds to act, if he has to act, whether in a matter of property, or in the treatment of the body, or in some affair of politics or private business, always thinking and calling that which preserves and cooperates with this harmonious condition, just and good action, and the knowledge which presides over it, wisdom, and that which at any time impairs this condition, he will call unjust action, and the opinion which presides over it, ignorance. Uh, and it's followed yep. with, you have said the exact truth, Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty unanimous agreement there, right? Yes. Um, no objects. You were, so you were, <laughs> you were saying... No, are you, are you going to object? Because I, I was just going to say to you, you were saying earlier that you quite quite like the way that they've structured this idea of, uh, of, uh, of what makes up a human or the parts of a human mind or soul. I, I object because this doesn't capture the fault that all of us have. And, and that's why I prefer Jung's model, where it has the fourth part, which is the shadow self. Because the shadow self is the part that makes those parts not work. And so like <clears> what <throat> we are talking about before, where, um, you know, I see Wait, Milo, sorry, 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 Milo back. even though... Sorry, back up. So you said it doesn't capture a fault. Um, what, what fault are you referring to? The fact that you cannot... So remember what they were saying at the start where they said the just man must have some divine peace within them to actually be the just man. Right. Remember that? So I Yeah, like and, and they're I, saying like like where they're saying if you if you had a ring that turned you invisible so you could do whatever you want, like nobody's gonna use that just correct. for Correct. Correct. And so Jung Jung actually in a way waves a white flag at that and goes, um, it's not possible for us not to do that so we need to accept that that's part of our psyche and and invite that part of ourselves out to play and incorporate it in a way that's not self-destructive or destructive to others but still gives it air and gives it permission to exist hmm. and and so that's that's what i was alluding to before with the shadow when they're talking about the guy who goes and looks at the bodies jung would say that's that's the shadow self for some stupid reason doing something um, that you don't understand and that's contrary to the rational mind but it's not linked to those other two parts of of the soul so to speak so if you were trying if you wanted to try and insert that into this discussion into this system would you say that there's a fourth part well classically from a biblical perspective i would say that that's the sinful nature part from a Jungian perspective, I'd say it's the shadow part. From this, I would say it's the can't do it without divine intervention part. I, th I think it's it's a really interesting thing to think about. And I think, in fairness, Socrates agrees with you. Because I think that's why he structured this state mm. in the way that he has to try and remove all temptation. Yeah, We're talking about I think ideal. you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And so rather so than sort of addressing it, he's just kind of like, well, how can we create a society where we've just removed it all? And in fairness, I don't think it would work. Because um, I, I think maybe Tim's right in the sense, or Young in that case, but uh, um, <laughs> that um, it's probably a part of nature, like the, the, that human, part of that human nature that uh, will seek it out. Even if you've got perfection right in front of you without screwing anything else up, there's probably a part of, not maybe not everybody, but, uh, well, maybe it is in everybody, but it just doesn't come out to play so much on everybody. Um, that'll go out yeah. and screw things up by 
doing something they shouldn't. <laughs> I, I might I might have butchered Jung's idea too. Like I'm not a psychology student. Someone listening sure. might go, "What? You're way off." But that's my understanding of it, and it might be wrong. But that's what I think he's saying, and I certainly think that's the biblical understanding of our gap. In your so in your mind, would you say that 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 Jungian shadow state thing is the same thing as uh, I think what Christians would call the fall, the fallen nature? I don't I don't think he would say that. I think he would just say that there's a part of the human condition that um, does have anger and resentment and wants vengeance and but the shadow isn't always negative either in his analysis. He's also like. It includes other things that could actually be good things that you do. It's, it's not really... It's like the dark side of the force, right? It's it's like dark side force powers aren't bad unless you use them with a bad intention. That's kind of his understanding, but it's freaking complicated and I'm, I don't have time <laughs> to explain it well here and I'm not even sure that I could. But I've spent many hours looking at that model and I find it very interesting and I think he's trying to come up with a way of describing that sin problem without a religious definition or explanation because yeah i without getting too far into the weeds because the only thing the thing that springs to mind there i think there's a risk there would be a risk then if you are going to deviate from the the christian idea of a fallen nature um are you then giving evil or the evil part of the human soul are you then giving it like what we call an ontological status are you giving it a status within itself so you know how you've got like you got the idea of you got the idea of like yin and yang right where you've got good and evil fighting mm. with each other and they and you and ideally you want it to balance it out balance out that's different from in what well, in my by my understanding that's different from the christian conception of good and evil oh it is um so is is, is the jungian thing more a little bit sort of more akin to that yin yang idea or is it i don't think so i think it's the... more i think it's more akin to like when when the devil took jesus to the top of the temple and went worship me and and i'll give you all this and jesus is like no like he didn't he didn't deny that that was there he didn't deny that that was an option he confronted it head on and was like no Right, because do, do you get what I mean by that? Like he's not denying that that's a temptation. Like he was tempted by that, and then went no. But if he, so Jung would say if he'd pushed that down, then maybe he would have done the wrong thing eventually, because he wasn't dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably a little bit too complex to get into, to be honest. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So a lot, a lot to think about there. I was just going to add to uh, just like with the 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 yin yang thing. Um, which was to like, you know, the, the, the two sides sort of opposing. I always find it interesting though, that you've got the, the little bit of the uh, opposite color in each of them. Right. And it's sort of like the thing that's, you know, the good half there still has a little bit of bad in it and the bad half still has a little bit of good in it. If you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. <laughs> interesting way of looking at it. See Darth, yeah. Darth Vader still did have a little bit of good hiding in him after all. Hey? <laughs> yeah yeah I, th I think it's a cool idea I, I i don't think it fits in with what socrates is describing but like you said maybe that's because he's only talking about the ideal state and sort of leaving out the other stuff yeah it, it, i didn't mean to do go down that rabbit hole to be honest i was, I was no, just no, trying to say that when i read that part about the self-destructive nature and they'd already identified like on reflection, they'd already identified three. And I'm like, oh, this, if you add that other problem to it, that becomes four. And it's very similar shape to, to Jung. It's just all it reminded me of. I don't mm. think there is a direct yeah, correlation with the idea though. But I think the way that he's defined the, the soul or the psyche is, I don't know. I'm going to look at that more. I'm going to spend some time seeing if they align or if they're different. You've you probably got two them. different approaches. I was just going to say, I don't know if anyone else has ever uh, sort of had this thought while we've been sort of talking about the way that the the, the state's been uh, engineered as well uh, in that parody to the Matrix. Uh, and they sort of talked about oh, in yeah. the Matrix how 
the, the first version of the matrix they made was perfect. Everything, everything worked and, um, it, it was a paradise and, um, it didn't work. You know, the people couldn't deal with it, um, having perfection and had to break it and ruin it. <laughs> yeah. They rejected uh, it. Yeah. And so we had to make the, the, the matrix being based on, on the real world, which has good and bad in it. And, you know, <laughs> the wrong choices and the right choices. I can't help but thinking about, uh, Socrates' state, a bit like that first version of the matrix and whether the whole thing would just, uh, <laughs> if you actually uh, implemented it, it'd just fall apart. <laughs> yeah. He is the architect. I mean, he's the old yeah, guy right. that takes 5,000 words to make a sentence sitting in the chair. <laughs> he's the architect. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's just something that popped in the mind. Does it? Yeah, so that's very familiar. good. <laughs> really excited to see the next one of those, by the way. Yeah. It looks kind of cool. I'll be keen to check it out. I, I hope that's I, I'm that. nervous <laughs> after, after how yeah. burnt I got by star Wars eight. I'm, I'm very nervous, but you know, yeah. Mandalorian <laughs> season two was pretty good. So there's hope. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A new hope. Whoa. Oh, nice funny <laughs> um so after all this and they've sort of landed on what they believe is justice they um start talking about injustice um so if we want to talk about that yes. a little bit um yes so, well that's uh, that's nice uh if it's something's true the opposite must be true idea right yeah um ba basically yeah the, the, the talk about i think it was like they had the, the three principles of the soul and then uh, you could, if you had a rebel rising up against the, the true prince, so to speak, and overthrowing the order, um, and they're sort of saying whether that's, um, well, they basically sort of say, well, the uh, injustice is the opposite. So it's intemperance, cowardice, and ignorance, and every form of vice. Um, we won't get onto vice too much because uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that a bit more in the, in the next ep. Um, but they do yeah. just kind of briefly outline it. I don't know if you want to do that now, or if you want to save that. Uh, how, how far in are we for there? Where's, is that on the last page? I'm just looking at my copy. No, it's just, just a little bit before that. So I'll just give you the headline here. They're sort of saying like justice and, and uh, injustice for the soul, like disease and health in the body. I don't know if you remember this uh, example they're talking through. Um, they're saying that like that uh, health. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Like, like eating healthy causes health and that which is unhealthy causes disease. Um, and similarly, you know, just actions cause justice and unjust actions cause injustice. Yep. Um, you had a kind of neat little quote, too. I may as well roll that one out. Um, yep. The creation of health is the institution of a natural order and government of one by another in the parts of the body. And the creation of disease is the production of a state of things at variance with this natural order. True, says Glaucon. And is this not the creation of justice, the institution of a natural order and government of one by another in the parts of the soul and the creation of injustice, the production of a state of things at variance with the natural order? Exactly so, says Glaucon. Then virtue is the health and beauty and well-being of the soul and vice, the disease and weakness and deformity of the same, which is, which they all agree on. <laughs> so I sort of see that as kind of like the, the end of this bit, because they basically all agree and we kind of like, we made it right. Everyone, everyone agrees that the, there's justice. It's the same in the state as it is in the soul. Um, but there's just one question they haven't quite answered yet, which I start sort of talking about, which is, uh, you know, Who's got the greater advantage, the, the just or the unjust? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see if their conclusion is the same as it was at the beginning. So they did touch on that back in book one. Well, that's, the, that's well, part of the question they're trying to answer, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they, they think they've knocked it out of the park, but they maybe... Uh, haven't quite proved it yet. So they, I think Glaucon says, this is a ridiculous question. How can you, how can we even ask that question after all of this stuff that we've, we've put out and, you know, we can see it <laughs> rings true. Yeah. But you know, they need to do the, uh, the argument justice too. So, uh, 
they um they want to see it through. So I guess that's that's maybe where we'll stop and we can uh, dig deeper. Next I'm hoping week. at some point the old guy who went off to make sacrifices walks back in and just says like, "Why are you still here?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been two days. <laughs> Get out of my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. Stop you drank all my wine, ate all my food. You're still here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's fucking tears, Malacca. How'd you get? <laughs> <laughs> get out of my pantry. <laughs> Barefoot hippie. <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. Well, uh, that sounds like a good time for us to have a stroll up to mm. uh, the good old pub for lots of us. Sure. Look at that. Such a cool place. Really looking forward to COVID travel bans and all that lifting i'm planning to go to europe in the next couple of years with the kids um mm. which uh you know one of the things i want to talk about is languages so we're we're uh as a family we've downloaded an app to learn french ah, so our plan is to do it every day for about six weeks and then pick yeah. one meal a week like a dinner a week where we can only communicate to each other in French. Ooh, challenge. That'll be Let's interesting see how to see how, um, how far you go. That'll be really interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. My daughter is that's absolutely killing it. Yeah, my daughter's killing it. My son has done the bare minimum of like two lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and uh, I think my wife is ahead of me, but behind my daughter. So, mm. yeah, it's pretty cool. Do, do either of you really speak cool any idea. other languages? No. I actually, uh, I actually told myself I was going to try to learn German this year, but um, I, I didn't end up starting. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we um, my wife's family uh, had some like history with that sort of stuff. Um, her grandparents were both uh, translators, and so spoke a whole bunch of different languages at different points in time. Um, so I think I spoke, uh, grandfather spoke, uh, English, Greek, Italian, French, and Arabic. Wow. Um, yeah, which is pretty amazing, really. Like, I can't imagine having that much going on. <laughs> they reckon five, I, I've read a lot of places, they reckon five's about what you can do. So we're aiming to do French in one year and then Italian mm. the next year. So then when we go, because the kids were like, where do you want to see? My daughter's throw was like, I want to see Paris. Mm. And my son's like, I want to see Rome. <laughs> uh, yeah. He loves Assassin's Creed too as much as I do. Sure. So he's like, let's go to Italy. Let's see Rome. And uh, yeah. I'm like, sure. So that's our goal. That's what we're working towards now. That's cool, man. You guys got any uh, any holiday plans Obviously, that's not in the next year or two for us, but... No plans. Um, my uh, wife and kids are all kind of uh, just making noises about uh, Fiji, um, ah. which um, we had been there before and we, we had a very nice holiday. Um, and it's quite funny because my wife's a bit of a creature of habit, so if she's done something and had a good experience, she wants to do it again. Whereas me, um, like I want to experience as many different things as possible. And so it's kind of like, I don't want to go back there. Even though it was great, uh, I want to go try something different. So, um, right. yeah, so we'll see. We'll see who wins. Um. <laughs> Based on your garage, I'd say it's probably your wife's turn to have a win. Mate, <laughs> uh, her, her vice is, is much, uh, much, you know, cheaper than mine in fairness. Uh, but, uh, Hers, she's been going crazy during uh, COVID with uh, house plants, and our house looks like a freaking jungle. There are so many plants in this house. <laughs> it's hey, she's making your cars carbon neutral. I, I know, right? I know. I found this uh, great uh, picture um, of a guy with an old like uh, '60s uh, Porsche 911 in like a uh, like a bright yellow or something like that, and it was overloaded with uh, plants coming out of it. And I sort of shot it through and I go, could I sneak one of these into the garage if it had all the plans with it, right? So <laughs> I got wow. a resounding no. <laughs> she saw through that one. Yeah. 
I wasn't going to cut them up. <laughs> How about you, Rubes? Thinking about going anywhere or? Oh, not particularly. I, I, I decided to pull the trigger on the new car. So at least uh, when we can get Ooh. out and about, I can do it with some cool. style. So looking forward to that. We should get that Thursday this week, I think. Ooh. Awesome. Just I'm really keen time to hear your end. Yeah. <laughs> what colour is it again? Oh, it's... I call it gunmetal grey, but apparently that's not what you call it now. It's a bit darker <laughs> than your gunmetal greys, but uh, yeah. Right. Is that because we're like a, a no-gun like country? It's, it's something like that. Mm. Uh, no, that's just what I sort of know that colour as from... I don't know yeah. where I heard the colour. <laughs> Maybe call it, call it Ned Kelly grey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. That, that's always a good time when you pick up a new toy. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen on the same cars. I'm um, I'm curious to hear uh, Ribs' review. So uh, see how it goes with the fam. Although, yeah, I'll let you know. I, I already made a, a, a slight concession. You know, I didn't, I didn't get the the diesel four wheel drive, which is what I really wanted. Yep. So I'll let you know how the front wheel drive goes. That's all right. I mean. Uh, it's what you're going to use most of the time, right? You're trundling around with yeah. the kids. Yeah. I just couldn't justify the extra cash because I'm, I'm not going to take it four wheel driving. I'm not even going to take it off road. So, what's the point in spending the extra cash? For sure. Hey, you get worse yeah. fuel economy anyway, right? Because you're going to carry all that extra mechanical stuff around. So, yeah, right. That's right. Theoretically, you'd be better off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's cheaper up front and it's cheaper to run. So, mm. yeah, I'm not quite sure if we're going to. Um, change over hours um anytime soon i just um we had the kids at the park today and i was just looking at the state of the inside of that car when we got back and i was just like i'd be devastated if this is a brand new car (laughs) 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 it's like maybe i just need to wait another another year maybe another 18 months until the the youngest one's sort of big enough and the other the other ones are sort of big enough to not trash it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Ooh, always the cool challenge. Thing. That's why you have the workhorse and then you have the toy. That, that one is the workhorse, but uh, yeah. You still want the work, workhorse every now and then. <laughs> well, it's actually my, wife, my wife's car. It's not even my car, but um, I, I, just because I'm, um, I'm a car guy, it, um, it just uh, upsets me to see, see things get wrecked like that. <laughs> She's like, don't worry about it. It hurts care. your spirit. Yeah. yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. My by by the way, my my old car passed Rego again, so that was exciting. Um, Sixty eight <laughs> years old, still passing Rego first try, so that's pretty awesome. cool. Um, had to do the annual British Leyland degrease underneath. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, about as leak proof as the Titanic, so doesn't matter what you do it's just it's always going to have something coming out of it so um, but i'm very happy Good we cheated year. with that car i think every year i take it to the mechanics they expect it to just because they're auto electricians so every year i take it there they just they go around and check every light is this working is this working is this it all works <laughs> i'm like yeah my dad uh, ripped out everything english and put in all new wiring japanese fuse box Problem solved. <laughs> Get rid of all that British garbage under there from the electricals. Keep the British yeah. style. <laughs> mm, no more Lucas no. the Dark Knight. That's it. No, he's a terrible, terrible design. Well, that was it. Um, that was pretty good. I, I feel like we've hit a really sort of monumental moment in the book where we've got an established definition for both the big picture and the small picture. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty happy, but now I'm interested, like, because I was happy at, do you remember at the end of book one, how that definition felt, not right at the end, but as we got towards the end of book one, the definition of the just man felt really good. Yeah. And then it was like, ah, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm going to get wrecked here. Like in, in a couple You're of weeks, I'll be like, ah, oh, that definition's not right either. <laughs> If you think about, it, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the content's got ahead for us, because, you know, it feels like this has been pretty hard fought, sort of getting to this point, and for that all to sort of yeah. like uh, still have double the distance to go. Um, Can I just say, uh, 
Can I say though, it felt like it snowballed all of a sudden. Like as soon as they got that definition of the state, which wasn't a big definition, you could probably write it on the back of a business card. From there, when they applied it to the it just sort of boom, 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 just snowballed into this pretty damn good explanation that, you know, from Mm. my place of ignorance and lack of philosophical training, look at that and go, that's pretty damn good. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I'm I liked excited it. to see what's going on. I even like the way that they, I, I like the way that they structure the the, the human, the human soul, so to speak. I, I think it's sort of practically very, very applicable. It's just sort of all sort of makes sense. Yeah, I agree. It, um, you know, it, it sort of rang true when you're reading through it, right? And you you sort of fact check that on yourself again. You know, it, it seems to sort of stack up. So we'll see see if they tear it down in another book. So <laughs> we'll yeah. be looking back at this and Tim will be going, do you remember how at the end of book four, I felt like we had it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll probably do that to us, the mongrel, but that's all right. He's, you know, he's dead anyway. <laughs> the long day record. Remember that. Yeah. Well, um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for continuing to work through the book. I'm, I'm having a great time. I hope you guys are. And um, to those listening, we hope you're enjoying. And um, remember, the Republic wasn't built in a day, and neither middle-aged men, and neither are Socrates' arguments. Uh, so thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next episode. See you later. See ya. Yeah.